Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of Noodle Time. Uh, once again on Twitter Spaces, once again with the gang, because this is a very special week. As Matt Jordan, after seven years of pure putrid hatred, he's finally gone. And also there's been a lot of stuff coming, going on uh, around the Orange Wonderland. And we're here to discuss it with everyone here. Uh, and obviously here with me is the man delivering Matt Jordan's uh, severance package. Uh, Salata's severance package is Tony Rubio. Hey guys, how's it going? It's beautiful to hear that. You know, yeah. all, res- all respect to MJ, but, uh, you know, we're, we're happy. We're here. We're live. I'm blessed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been an interesting week. Um, obviously, it's been a long time coming, the firing, and, and just the fact that it came on, on the Monday after uh, the loss to Minnesota United, um, after, like, essentially extending the winners, one of the streak to 15 games, and obviously what happened for the past like seven years, what it feels like a, like forever. Um, it, feels, it feels weird, but in a good way, you know, um, that there's actual change. And, and just thinking about Matt Jordan not being, not being involved anymore it's just it's something to to be happy about you know i mean i i kind of feel empty now though to be honest like where do i <laughs> where do i channel where do i channel all my empty rage well, from oh well, it's de la olla now so that's nah, where man, we... this, that guy's non-existent to me <laughs> he's too busy yeah. about, a, about a fight jake paul or something <laughs> yes <laughs> oh no oh i don't, i can see De La Hoya versus Jake Paul at VBA Stadium next year or something like that. That's gonna Please, be dude. I would, I would literally <laughs> buy front row tickets to protest at De La Hoya. And the only way to buy tickets is through bitcoins. That would be like the yeah. only way. Hey, throw, throwback. If you guys went to that post Hurricane Harvey like charity game that Holden, that Holden uh hosted, wasn't Jake Paul there? Didn't yeah, he, like, he was well, there. Bro, I, I was there in the crowd. I, I think I got a picture with him or something. I don't even know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, guys. Damn. <laughs> that's deep cuts right there. If you guys, if you guys understood that, but no, I mean, let's yeah. get, let's get let's get down to it. You know, we we know Matt Jordan's out. Let's talk about uh, what comes next now that that we don't know where to point our hatred towards anymore. So let's let's yeah. figure that let's figure out who that is and and channel it towards them now. Yeah, and before we get started, though, uh, I just want to give a shout out to. Uh, the two supporters that uh, contributed as our solid supporters for the month of August, uh, being Wilson Calvert, which uh, joined us today, and also Kenny Kapner. Um, they've been uh, supporting us for a while now, and we just wanted to, to give a shout out to them for for being there, essentially. And essentially, like at this point, outlasting Matt Jordan. So congratulations to them. Tony, you're supposed to clap. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Well, yeah. Uh, no, my, right, my, my greatest uh, thanks to Wilson and Kenny for paying my monthly salary from Andres, my boss. Yeah. <laughs> Sends me one dollar on Venmo every every month. <laughs> <laughs> At two fifty. Oh well, yes. <laughs> I I do this for the money. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, with that other way, let's go ahead and, and get started. Um, um, obviously, the the very first topic we're going to talk about is Matt Jordan. Um, 
like it was so weird because I was I was heading to work on Monday and like it was like at three three thirty, and like I see I, I was like getting literally on my car and I see my phone blowing up and I was like what is going on and I could I didn't even see like the like the like the press release notifications or anything and I was like what is is this actually happening like no this is there has to be a lie and it's real and Dude, I, was I was pretty sleeping. happy i was sleeping like two, <laughs> two hour nap after work i wake up to like 50 million notifications that mad jordan's gone i thought i was dreaming but man it's i mean it, it's what we all wanted but like literally like i say it, it happens in the snap of a second and now it's now, not not that obviously I was joking about where to point our rage next, but now it's I'm kind of curious at what comes next. And luckily, if, like you guys, most of you guys heard probably on Glenn Davis's Soccer Matters show last night, uh, Mr. Ted Segal came down and did a little 18 minute interview. If you guys haven't heard of that, please go and give Glenn some some love because that was a great interview. And I mean, I think 98% of us feel pretty good after that. Obviously, we're not gonna just praise Seagal blindly, uh, especially in the situation that we're in. But obviously it's not his fault. I think the only person that wasn't happy was maybe uh, maybe Fede. I saw his tweets there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he has something to be mad about. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll let him chime in, chime in and let us know what he thought. But, I mean, it was pretty interesting with, uh, with Seagal, specifically mentioning how he's going to give everybody a fair shake. He said that again in the interview. And then, He's just like a cut and dry kind of guy, it seems like. And he was like, uh, but statistically speaking, the past seven years, Matt Jordan like failed the organization. I don't know. He said something along those lines, and I, it was just the most beautiful words to like ever come out of somebody's mouth in this organization. No, no lies detected. No lies detected. That's how it is. But yeah, um, well, yeah, like he, he, like he, obviously didn't share much uh, outside of of like the the search for that new GM, potentially a sporting director, as well as what what goes ahead. But I feel like he um, obviously had to like keep it official, um, keep his standards. But it was a pretty good interview for the most part, I'd say. I mean, I think the best part of it was what you just mentioned, that Glenn asked him, you know, is this a role that we could possibly see split into two? And, uh, and I mean, I think it's... Uh, it was obviously a pretty cut and dry response as well, but he was like, yeah, I mean, it's a huge possibility that we could be looking at a sporting director and a GM. And obviously my mind just goes to, you know, Onstad, Weibel, GM, sporting director duo, let's go, glory years. Pat, Pat Onstad and Craig Weibel <laughs> in the same organization? No, that's, obviously that's too good to be true, but I'd, I'd take either one. I'll be suddenly, fine with either one. Suddenly, yeah. we, suddenly we beat the revolution in penalty shootouts again. On. No, that will be. <laughs> but I I checked to see if we're in a time machine or something, honestly. But I mean, so that obviously, um, I mean, there was a lot said in that interview with Ted. I took some time to think about it, and I, I think there's a huge possibility. I don't know what all you guys think in the in the in the spaces that there's a huge possibility that we can see a GM signed before the end of this season, because there's a lot of moving parts. You know, Tab Ramos's contract ends this year. Obviously, he's not going to get fired no matter how bad we're doing, in my opinion. Uh, we kind of heard it from Ted that there's no imminent decision on, on Tab Ramos right now. So, obviously, his contract's going to get played out. But when the season ends, I feel like you have to announce whether Ramos is here or not. You can't really wait a month after the season with the coach that we already have and then say, oh, hey, yeah, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to keep bringing him on because that, that'll look like 
kind of bad on the press in my opinion. So I'm, I'm thinking they're really going to try to bring in a GM fast. And like Ted Segal said in that interview himself, hopefully the GM has a say on Tab Ramos' future, which I'm sure Tab is not uh, thrilled to hear that, but it's the reality of the situation. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. And if you guys want to participate, uh, obviously just request, uh, raise your hand, and we should be uh, letting you in uh, whenever you guys are ready. But, but yeah, yeah one of the. I just sent Federico. I just sent Federico an invite because if he's if he's available, I would like to hear his opinion on what he didn't like about Ted Segal's uh, comments, and then uh, if Feather joins, then we'll let David speak a little bit of his mind on that as well. I got you. I think Federico came in first. Yeah. Bienvenidos, Fede. Hey guys, Fede. how are you doing? It's good to be in contact after who knows how many months. <laughs> welcome. A long man, time, welcome. yeah. <laughs> Let us let us know what you think about about uh, just Tetsuko's comments. Obviously, uh, everybody's happy that Matt Jordan's gone, but uh, I wanted to see the other side of it because uh, obviously you had some nuanced kind of take on on those words and not just blind happiness like the rest of us. No, well, you know, you gotta find the, the you gotta find the uh, something to talk about. No, I think it's it's mostly positive. You know, I think it is. Um, we we all know that. There were problems in the front office, and I think that uh, it's 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 for example, I think it was a good decision to start by getting Jordan out and not Tab, which was a, a very easy way out. You know, we've seen it happen in the past, and and uh, that's that's a positive thing. You know, you got to cut the problem from the root. Uh, on the other hand, uh, yeah, I did hear some things that I wasn't too too excited about you know i think the way that he underestimated the the latin or, or the weight of the latin community even though i believe in the the you know the the, the importance of including the dynamo brand if you want to call it that way in, in the in the whole houston community but i think that you know the, it, it's inevitable to think about the latin community as one of the most important ones and he kind of you know kicked the ball to the side there when when uh, when he asked him about that when Glenn asked him about that. So that, that was a little concerning for me. Um, and then, of course, you know, I talked about the business part that, you know, he talks very, very, you know, in a corporate way about about the dining one. It makes sense. That's his job. That's what he has to do. But uh, from, from my point of view and my way of understanding things, uh, which he also mentioned, he said, you know, I, I want, I want a, a winning brand and you have to start that on the field. I think that it has to do with, with, uh, with, with football, you know, anything that has to do with the actual sport that will make uh, the Dynamo the kind of team that the city and the people that support it deserve. You know, I think it has to do it's going to have to do with the sport itself more than with a brand or more than with, with thinking about corporate things, which I think he's, he's on the way. I don't know what you guys uh, thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. It's, it's kind of like we, we can't improve the brand image without winning in a way, and we've seen that this season. With all, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how many Audi, Audi clubs or you know sports social seats we have. The Anna Wider promoting the Lexus Club like uh, before the Minnesota United game. That was interesting, but yeah. It, no, it shade, no, it shade, no shade, no shade, <laughs> no shade. <laughs> no, but... Uh, 
Yeah. I just wanted to bring up a comment that if you if you allow me a quick further. Um, I'm forgetting her last name, but Dynamo fan uh, Kylie, uh, Kylie Austin, I think she she said something about how it, it would almost be great to see you know one of the current owners or you know somebody come in almost as an ambassador. Uh, and he's talked about himself on Twitter, Stuart Holden, like would be an awesome guy to bring in to be almost like the face of the team. Like maybe the guy will have like two percent ownership or or maybe nothing, but to have somebody that comes and be the face of the team and and, you know, kind of do all the things that Fede is talking about culture-wise, and then let a guy like Ted Segal just, you know, be cut dry, be a robot, but, you know, do the things that need to get done behind the scenes business-wise. Yeah, and and obviously when I, when I, when I mentioned um, the Diona White promoting the Lexus Club, I was obviously joking for the most part, but yeah, um, it, she, she has to run the business, obviously, and, and promoting is one of her things, but, but yeah. Um, I mostly, yeah, like, like Federico said, like I was mostly concerned about, um, my Jordan leaving first, um, as soon as possible. And obviously the main reason being that, uh, the past seven years, but, but for the most part is to essentially start the, the process to look for a new GM as soon as possible. So that way, whenever we finish the season, we could have like a GM lineup. Um, and from there we can decide, uh, like depending on the results from here, if, if it's worth it to, to keep tab or not. So um, it's going to be interesting, though. So we just have to wait and see from there. Um, but, yeah, um, we can go ahead and switch to uh, David uh, since he's been, he's been waiting for a while. So, yeah. But Federico, thank you so much. Um, but, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it's been a while, though. We'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for, for doing this. And let's let's keep it going. Congratulations, as always. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Next time in Spanish, bro. Next time we got to get it in Spanish. Dale, papa. Sí. Vamos. Sí. Sí, todo dynamo, sí. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and get David in right now. So, let's see. We'll get David and then we'll get Wilson and then we'll see yeah. what the conversation's going at that point. We'll, we're, we're, no, we're no rush here. Everything's recorded on the podcast just to Dial yeah. into the Twitter spaces. Yeah, good David should be coming on right now. Good evening, yeah, yeah. gentlemen. How are we doing today? Oh, good, oh, good, David. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Um, as Tony himself said, he was asleep, and I was also asleep when the big news happened, and I kind of woke up. Um, and in those moments where you're still a little bit groggy, you're not really sure what's going around, uh, like what's going on around you. I did not think it was real until I checked multiple twitter group chats and realized oh my god the reign of hell is over yes. and i you know obviously as every dynamo fan was i was ecstatic but the thing is i have been thinking towards the future i i like i don't want to toot my own horn or anything but i feel like i've been thinking towards the future a lot more than a lot than a lot of dynamo fans because whoa, 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 whoa. no tooting horns here <laughs> what tony what'd you say <laughs> say it with your chest tony what'd you say i said no, no tooting horns here all right man <laughs> all right man all right i thought we were all adults here um but you know just because the general manager gets fired doesn't mean instant success is gonna happen really what we have to do from a club standpoint now is obviously get the right people in to replace him and i say people because i think that 
there should obviously be more than one at kind of at the helm, you know, having a general manager and a sporting director or whatever, you know, Fugazi titles you want to give to it where they both have power. And, uh, you know, Dynamo fans have been talking about, you know, why Bull Onstad get somebody who's a former player in. And obviously that would be a plus, but I don't think that's what we need to focus on. I think what we as a team need to focus on is someone who will take this kind of the club that's been, you know, I'd say a little bit backwards thinking for a long time. You know, um, we haven't made the same moves as a lot of MLS teams. You know, MLS teams have been funding their academies for a long time. And we are just now kind of catching up on that. Like we're, we're kind of the back end of the bell curve when it comes to MLS teams. And we do have to play catch up, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing really we can say that'll change that we are behind on the entire curve, whether it be, you know, spending big money on these South American wonder kids. Like we've seen, you know, LAFC, Atlanta United, et cetera, et cetera, do, or funding the academy or, you know, just various ways like, you know, Nashville already created a successful system and made the playoffs in their first season while spending even less than we were. And I think what we need to focus on is becoming an analytically driven team. And that's why I think my number one option for someone to come join this front office is Will Kuntz from LAFC. He has a phenomenal pedigree. He, you know, he was an important part of the New York Yankees front office as soon as he graduated, um, graduated college. And like, if you guys don't know about him, read up on him. You know, he was like, obviously I'm not a big fan of the Yankees. I'm an Astros fan, but it's indisputable what he's done. You know, he, he was an intern and they picked him up immediately. And then he joined LAFC and like everywhere he's gone, there's been success. They've used the analytics correctly and I think that's what we need to become. We need to become a team that can kind of maximize everything that we have, whether it be homegrown players, whether it be, you know, cheap contracts like Derek Jones and stuff like that. Um, or, you know, whether it be bringing someone in from another team that they might not be using him correctly. And that's what we can do. Because even with Ted Seagal, you know, he came in, we're still not going to be spending the same as Arthur Blanc. And so what, what I constantly keep thinking about is the money ball quote where he says, if you play like the Yankees in here in the front office, you will lose to the Yankees out there. And that's what we need to do. We need to build a group of people that can use the newfangled soccer analytics and just, you know, stuff like that properly, efficiently and effectively. And I think. Will Kuntz is the perfect person to do that. You know, Weibel and um, Onstad both are former players, so they have that part, you know, of their pedigree. But, you know, Matt Jordan was also a former player. He played for Montreal for a while and then transitioned to the front office there. Yeah, he played for for Dallas, bro. Can't forget that. Yeah, yeah, like, like, there's kind of this split in sports, not just soccer at this point. I come, you know, I study sports management in college. I come from an analytics background and you have the old school players that are like, you know, intangibles and whatnot. And then you have the new school analytics guys, which is why I think you can get both. You can get an Onstad and you can get a cunt in the same front office and have them work together and work properly and it'll work. And you've seen it work with, you know, a bunch of other successful teams. 
I mean, he's currently vice president of soccer operations at LAFC and been an integral part of their success. And I, I think that, you know, he would be perfectly happy making that next step. He got interviewed for the San Jose Earthquakes job. And, you know, I, I think that the Dynamo is the, the job that you'd rather have if you're someone like that. You have a new owner who's shown a willingness to spend. You've got, you know, um, uh, a, a, a major market that you can tap into and if you do it correctly. And there's a lot of potential in the team. And, you know, obviously the fact that your six, like your uh, predecessor sucked plays to your advantage there. But I think that, you know, he's someone who can kind of build this team up. And that's really what you need. You need someone who's going to play the long game. You need the patience. You need the patience from everyone, including the fans, because this is not a one season job. We have to build long-term success in a team, and I think you do that using the numbers to finally get ahead of the curve of some other MLS teams because we are so far behind at this point. And yeah, yeah, I I just think you know it it might just be the fact that you know I love the new like the new analytics and that's what I study in school and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. But I think that's what you need to do because history has shown that the teams that are first to these numbers in all other sports win win using them properly pretty much yeah and it's a very interesting way to look at it like obviously um like i'm team why will and team Austin like forever but there's obviously other ballot calendars i can i can fill a job here as well and it's pretty. It's pretty good to like just essentially keep an open mind about it. So, um, but no, but yeah, like it's um, yeah, you you brought like a pretty good conversation point, David. Um, and yeah, obviously there's there's a long way to go, uh, for like to, and and that's pretty much how I feel like it has to go. So essentially, like no decisions, just yeah, just like Tetsig all said in the interview. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's, a it's a process pretty much. But it yeah, is. Uh, and. And definitely not not horn tooting at all. So, so yeah. yeah, thank you, David. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do I do have one more thing. Uh, I did find it a little ironic when uh, Tony called Andres a sellout after working for FC Dallas, like you know, with the team instead of just a restaurant. I, I, I brought that up myself. Yeah, I didn't bring yeah, that you up. did, but you said it was okay because you were unpaid, and I'd argue that makes it worse because you're free labor for the enemy. You know, yeah, I, work for both, I work. I work for both teams, and I'm here now, so that's that's enough. Yeah, but you know, you might be a Benedict Arnold. We can never find out. And, uh, oh god! And now I, and now I sell <laughs> and now I sell insurance for a living, so that's how, that's how it works out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you, David. Yeah. Oh, it's it's always nice to be on here. It's always nice to have kind of a, a forum for our thoughts. You know. Thank you, guys. Friend of the podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. David, David forever. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I wanted to just to, I mean, expand on that. It, like the comments and the conversation we've been having on Twitter the past couple of days. Um, I see, I mean, it got a lot of traction. The video I put up about Mike Chabala, uh, just kind of going on a rant about former players and abandonment. And if we're being real, I think, uh, I mean, my open, honest opinion, I think it's a bit of an exaggeration because um, obviously there's always things that organizations could do better. But I think, you, you know, even though some of these guys aren't in roles directly with the team, you know, Ching in some way or another is, is part of the club. 
I don't know if he's being paid, but you know, he's pretty much like an ambassador. You know, we got guys like Boswell, Driver, uh, all these guys that are in the community that have never left or come back specifically to live in Houston. Uh, I don't know if they just uh, found the Houston girl when they were here and they end up not leaving, but it, let's just let's just think it's for the Dynamo. But I think the Dynamo haven't done terribly in that perspective and like talking about Rico Clark and, and leaving for Vancouver. I don't blame the Dynamo for that because, you know, Tab had his guys. He brings in Martin Vasquez. He brings Omid Namazi, his guys from the national team. So I don't I don't blame him for not giving Rico an assistant coaching job, especially right when Rico retired. Uh, and then Vancouver gives him a, uh, an assistant coach job right out of the bat. So I can't blame him that much. Uh, uh, somebody that messaged me on the side in DMs and uh, kind of expressed their opinion to me about how I think uh, how we should slow the roll on bringing the legends back. And I mean, I was never 100% team legends, but it was definitely good to hear another opinion and especially how David's talking. Like, you know, legends coming back doesn't mean champions are one. They should definitely be guys that are interviewed. But at the end of the day, like the best guy for the job is the best guy for the job. So that's a that's something good to keep in mind and not get the mob mentality against the Dynamo twenty four seven and say uh, bring back, you know, bring back Ching to GM because that went so well for him at the Dash, you know. So that's just my my side rant on that. But what, what do you think, Andres? Oh yeah, like I pretty much mentioned a lot yesterday that like I think it will be okay, like if we kept like like previous players or like players that not necessarily may have like a ton of significant time like in mind like when it comes to like decision making but obviously not every player um might be might bring in like viable input or anything but but yeah like obviously when it comes to like legends um branching obviously being one and and obviously being involved in the organization and and potentially people like uh pat onset or craig weibel or or pretty much like other players in their stature um playing like influencing the, the the team on um uh on a daily basis pretty much i feel like it um obviously like they uh, to an extent if they do it like at this point in time it's mostly because they really care about the organization and and i feel like that's that's what matters to me the most and obviously if they want to just get the team uh moving forward awesome but um, obviously it's part of the process still, uh, when it comes to looking for the right people, um, you just make sure that they actually want to be there and if you want to get the, the program to like the next level, you know? Yeah. I and mean, then it's not easy with, uh, with San Jose, with, uh, Cincinnati, uh, on a, on the GM search too, you know, Ted mentioned it on the, on, on Glenn's radio show. Uh, they're trying really not to give any information away about that. we got, uh, Dennis DeClosa from uh, LA Galaxy. He's the Dutch slash Mexican guy who used to be the Mexican national team's general manager. Uh, he's done so-so with LA, but I really think that's a really uh, viable option for San Jose or Cincinnati, especially Cincinnati with the Dutch connection. Uh, and, you know, like like uh, David mentioned, Will Koontz from uh, LAFC, you know, uh, Chris Leach from San Jose, all these guys uh, that have been in MLS for a long time are really being sought after for these GM positions. So the Dynamo are no different. I think it's definitely going to be a domestic signing. I would be really surprised if we brought in a general manager that doesn't already know MLS. Uh, so it's, it's too early to still to, to know what's going on. And honestly, I don't think, I, I don't think most of us are, are well-versed enough in, in the front offices and the GMs of, of MLS that are available right now to comment too much on it, but it's just always fun to speculate. 
But regardless, uh, moving on to hear a little bit more thoughts. Wilson's been waiting in the in the rafters for a little bit here, so why don't we bring him on and hear what the number one uh, Foxtrot slash Needle Time supporter has to say. Absolutely. Howdy. What's up, Wills? Happy uh, Jordan Out Week. Here we are. Finally. Yes. Finally. It's been seven years. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly been a journey. Um, you know, I think we've been been numbed a little bit because of the 15 unbeaten streak. But, uh, you know, it's pretty pretty interesting run of form over the last seven years now. So very much excited about the future. Oh, yeah. So, uh, like, the sky is the limit, I guess. But obviously, there's still a process. So, um, we'll see. Like, we'll see if that's a goal. It's a man of his word. And, and yeah, we, we'll see. It's, it's still pretty early. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really excited by his interview. I think most Dynamo fans were um, on the, sh- the radio the other night. And, um, you know, I think that just making the change and making the effort, you know, I think back to a couple of years ago when we, you know, we tried Kubo, it didn't work out super well, but, you know, I remember being excited about, you know, having the, that can really, you know, potentially make a difference. And, um, you know, I think um, we were uh, an Austin bold player, a Moby, a Kugo, um, was talking on Twitter the other day about how Houston has like a huge Nigerian population. They're also very much in soccer. And, you know, I, I definitely think that any type of DP that he brings in is going to be aimed towards, you know, maybe energizing a new set of fans. Um, of course, you know, maybe a big Mexican player doesn't make the most sense. But um, I don't know. What do you all think? Is there a country that we could, um, you know, that we should kind of aim for that may bring extra fans into Houston Stadium? Um, I think it, it's, it worth it's a tricky it? question. It's, it's a tricky question to answer because uh, you've you've heard it over the years from Matt Jordan and uh, from other people. Oh, you know we we don't kind of corporate speak like you know we don't want to focus on one star and waste our resources on yada yada yada. And obviously, yes, that's that's a true in a, in a sense, but it's it's a little naive or foolish to think that uh, there's not a business aspect to the footballing side. So I think we definitely should. Uh, you know, see what the options are, see if they fit the people that we're trying to bring in. But of course, uh, you know, if you got a John Obi Mikel available and wants to come to MLS for a couple of years, then hey, why don't you sit him at the six? <laughs> and, you know, if the Nigerian people come, then the Nigerian people will come. Same with the Mexican fans, same with everything. But uh, Ted mentioned it himself in his interview that it's definitely something they're looking into. He, he said a little, you know, the little tidbit, like Matt Jordan always said, you know, obviously you have to say the disclaimer. We're not we're not looking to spend money like silly, but I think he's serious about bringing in a star that will move the needle per se. So I think 100% it's something that Dynamo need to do, and I think it's something that what we will see coming hopefully in the next you know year or two. I kind of think about you know the Astros being so bad a couple of years ago, and you know the attendance was down, and it's kind of hard to compete against a team that has been so good for several years. There's only you know, so many entertainment dollars to go around. And um, I, I think that it may just be as simple as winning, you know, competing in the playoffs and, you know, having a situation where fans can come to the game and see a few goals and see a win and don't see a 89th minute equalizer, you know, for the other team. And so, you know, it, it just may be that simple. So maybe we don't need a special Central American or Mexican star, you know, it may just be winning. I think it's 100 yeah. winning to start, but 
I'll, I'll let Andres uh, share his thoughts on that. No, yeah, like it's it's pretty much it all comes down to winning. Um, we like the last time I've seen BVA Stadium like completely full, like to the brim, like like an actual sellout. Like what well, it was like it wasn't conference final. Um, I guess the Sounders a couple of years ago, and and yeah, like pretty much like everyone's gonna know whenever the Dynamo are winning, and like it will be nice if, if like we can get like DPS from other countries to like hopefully attract more people. But like at the end of the day, it's gonna it's, it's pretty much have, having a pretty uh, a team that performs very well uh, on the field, uh, which which happened in 2017, and and like the playoff run, it uh, you you saw in the playoff run, and and yeah, it just pretty much comes out to the team. I think another uh, kind of unique thing I'm potentially excited about is um, Ted's background is in real estate development. I think that's how he and his family made, you know, the most of his fortune. And a big part of running a sports franchise is leveraging, you know, the area around your stadium. Um, you can think about Jerry World in Dallas, right, where they have, um, you know, bars and restaurants and all these other things. And we've seen that a little bit in uh, MLS as well. Sporting Kansas City has um, like a big bar that is, you know, utilized on non-game days. Of course, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, you know, the Dynamo BBVA Stadium is in a really great place and that's really developing. And it'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, he has any interest in kind of biting off more of a piece of uh, Edo and, you know, Maybe we'll see something interesting. I think that, um, you know, Pitch 25 is a perfect example of something that, you know, appears to be pretty successful. Brian Chang, of course, involved. And, um, you know, how much more sense would that have made if that was owned and operated by the Dynamo? And, you know, integrating more casual fans that, um, or even non-soccer fans, you know, and plugging them into the Dynamo. Um, I, I actually saw some comments on the Houston subreddit about how it's hard for them to get the Dynamo game on and pitch 25 sometimes. And so that's just wild to me. But um, yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see his, if his history as a property developer uh, can be utilized to further, you know, create more value for his investment in the team. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Lucky's Pub since uh, they closed down last year. Um, like it'll be interesting. Like and that's been pretty much like part of um, Orange Avenue for like years. So I will see the like if like assuming that this theory like could be true. Like it will be hard to not think about like that property, you know. So, but yeah, like that's interesting to think about though. Honestly, I mean, yeah, for sure, it's it's. Oh, go ahead, Wilson. I was gonna say he he bought the team for a reason, you know, and he he sounds like a soccer fan, but you know this isn't a vanity project, of course. Like he he invested, a, yeah. <laughs> you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. He's looking to you know grow that investment, and you know you, you have to make changes. Clearly, the way the Dynamo were heading is not you know adding any additional value to uh, to the team. You know they were kind of taking advantage of a uh, a rising sea that lifts all ships. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to come in here to make some changes and, you know, create some additional value. We get to watch some fun soccer, maybe. That's, oh, yeah. that's, the, that's the hope. <laughs> that's the that's bottom is, line. Yeah. Of, but I, I, definitely an interesting topic to bring up about Siegel's background. But, you know, um, I'm sure it will come uh, organically east downtown. The east end is a neighborhood that's uh, obviously gentrifying rapidly. But, you know. Uh, whether not to get into the nuances of uh, gentrification, but obviously uh, bringing huge commercial opportunities, huge 
residential uh, apartments coming up. Um, so I, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that Seagal and whatever other partners he have are, are going to be on top of that. Uh, you know, along with Ching, along having those partners, it's, you know, he's only going to grow his little bar empire even more. So uh, just just to kind of move the ball a little bit forward and you know, move a little bit on from, from Ted and from Matt Jordan, uh, what do you guys think about Tab Ramos for the rest of the season? What happens, what needs to happen for him to keep his job? Or is it, uh, theoretically, if, if Tab loses every single game for the rest of the season, it, is, uh, does it not matter? Is, is Ted going to give him a, a quote-unquote fair shake regardless? Or What's a step forward is my question for Tab. And, and uh, looking forward to the next season already because it's, it's pretty much lost this season. Obviously, like to win as soon as possible will be the first step. Um, <laughs> after 15 games, uh, um, but yeah, um, it's it's an interesting path uh, right now for uh, Tav Ramos, and obviously with a new GM potentially coming in, I, I we just we still don't know how soon it's gonna be. Like if it's gonna be by the end of the season, um, it's um. Obviously, start winning will be like the first step, and from there, just keeping consistency. I I feel like just keeping consistency will be like will eventually decide if Tab is gonna stay here or not. And like if it, the results like just stay the way they are like right now, I, I feel like he's just gonna be out over the next few weeks. So, um, and obviously, as Segal mentioned, that it's um, it, there's no like imminent decision on on Tab Ramos, but obviously that that's in um. I feel like in a broad perspective, but it's um, it may not it may not be a a while before we know what's gonna happen with Tab. Like if the results keep up, so we'll we'll just see. I mean, Wilson, Robert, what are you? What is y'all's opinion on that? Well, I mean, I mean, is, we'll get, is there is there a path for Tab to save to save his his job for next year still? Or yeah, I I think so. I th- I think that Tab um can only play the players that he has, you know, been given. And I think that he's gotten some of his guys, but those guys have been, you know, the, the, the discount bin a little bit. Um, and True. so, you know, we have 12 games left this year. We're staring at the MLS historical winless streak in the face. We're at 15 winless. Um, the night, the record is the 99 Metro stars at 19. And, um, you know, we clearly playoffs are not really on the table for us this year, even as a person that's currently holding a $20 uh, gambling ticket for the uh, Dynamo to win the MLS cup this year. Yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I think I can probably uh, lose that at this point, but um, you know, I think that if tab loses the next or goes winless over these next five, there's going to be so much media around the Dynamo being historically bad for MLS that I think that they cut tab then if tab can manage to pull out some result and kind of, you know, give us up there a little bit closer towards not making the playoffs just by a little bit, then, you know, he'll have a shot at actually being, um, you know, the coach again next year. Yeah. I mean, I, can I, can I add a little bit to that? Please. Oh yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I think what's funny is, you know, everybody likes to say that they're, they're doing a long-term project or, um, you know, the long-term plan of the club, when it comes down to the manager in particular, um, it's all about results. Uh, I think Mourinho says it best. It's a results business. And if you don't get the results, you're gone. Uh, so, I, you know, some could argue that that uh, the tab hasn't gotten the results already. I will say 
I think Wilson made a really good good point when it comes down to the players uh, that he's had available to him. He's given been been put up against it from the start, and so I think we should uh, at least give him till the end of the season, unless something just goes totally awry. Um, but I think also it matters in 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 the team spirit, which I know is hard to quantify. But when you look out and you and you look um, on the pitch and you watch the games. Um, progress kind of stares at you in the face. Um, and whether it's, you know, not conceding that 89th minute goal, like we always do, or if you see, you know, um, you know, good substitutions and stuff like that, there's, there's these little things, you know, that, that managers do that, that, uh, that all add up to a better product on the field. And, um, while we haven't seen that so far from tab, I feel like, um, it's, it's not too late. Uh, that the clock is ticking, but uh, uh, I, I'd like to see what he, how he responds to um, this change in in management. You know, he has. I imagine he's going to be given a lot more freedom um, in, in a lot of ways, and maybe have his voice be heard a little bit more by uh, without without Matt Jordan as an intermediary. So uh, um, I'm, I'm excited to see you know what what these next few games hold and and what Tab's really made of, um, so that you know we can know what the future of the club club is but just to one one last point is that you know i think we we talk about the gm and um the front office and you're right they've been a total disaster um over the last especially five years um i i think that what we really need to focus on now i mean i think the change is happening we've seen you know matt jordan being fired but we need to concentrate on the pitch too i think maybe this has been this whole week has gotten us thinking about the front office let's concentrate on you know what's going on in the pitch, which is an absolute disaster. So, uh, I, I love to hear you guys' thoughts on what what maybe some of those next um, some of those next moves that would signal progress for you, like uh, when it comes to on the field. Because I see some of the signings that we've made, and some of them actually seem like pretty good signings, um, and yet it just hasn't clicked on the field. And um, that's where is it, it's interesting to me where that has to be on Todd Ramos, right? For sure, and. Um... I like the points you made because it's almost like when obviously in adversity is when you see somebody's real side, you know, you see the the real, the real them. And you can argue that Tab hasn't had the resources and uh, COVID and, and everything, but no managerial season's ever going to be perfect unless, you know, you're at PSG playing with Qatari money. <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's not, that's, that's not going to happen for the near future. I mean, who knows? It, it could with Houston and our oil economy, but uh that's that's the part that has bothered me the most. Not that I'm team tab out, team tab in. Just looking at it from the middle. Um, Tab's failed to evolve the team to even compete in these games because my, my biggest qualm the whole season has been our lack of creation. Just yes. terrible, the worst terrible league, enchanted creation. The worst. Yeah, so bad. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to come down to... Uh, sorry, but, in, but I think a lot of it has to come down to his style of play. Um, it actually reminds me a lot. It's like a uh, reverse Mourinho, kind of maybe like a Pep. That's hilarious to, to 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 answer these things like this. But he has a certain way of playing that he likes to play. And at the U20 level, he was allowed to play like that. You know, where this high-pressing possession system, right? Unfortunately, when you have a team that is lacking in quality, you're not going to be able to play that and win this league. I think it's very clear. Um, and we've seen that over the season, right? And so when I look at like maybe... Wilmer, the Dynamo, but you know other coaches around the world too. They adapt, like you just said. They adapt and they say, "Okay, you know this is my system, but 
my system's not working, obviously. I'm going to try something new. Or I, you know, we need to change, right? And I don't think that Tab Ramos has done that. I think he's, he's just been very, very stubborn on his own ways. And while I don't necessarily think his system is bad, actually, I think that his system doesn't work with the players we have right now. And I think a, a, a more pragmatic approach would be to, okay, yeah, this isn't where, where exactly where I want the team to be at the end of you know my time here. Um, but for now, we need to we need to figure out how we can get some wins on the board, right? Because if the, every, every loss piles up, it just becomes harder and harder to come back. Um, and, and it's closer yes, and closer to losing his job. Yeah. And it's, it's so frustrating because, um, like, to hell with your system. <laughs> when we're on a 15-game uh, losing streak, man, like, uh, you have to answer to the fans whether you like it or not. And obviously, maybe you care a little bit more about the the big wigs up top, uh, but obviously they they don't care about your process when you're 15, 15 games down the hole, in my opinion. Uh, so that's just been my biggest absolute, um, what do you call it? Just what what's bugged me the most. He he has players in the doghouse that he's just refused to take out, and you have to, you have to put those things aside when when your team's going through such a bad form because at the end of the day you have to answer for it. So having Bahamich, having Quintero, having all these guys um, just in the doghouse uh, when you're doing so so bad and your reluctance to change from a four three three and change, uh, you know, I love Fafa, but come on, man, that's that's this team's star right now, leading goal scorer pretty yeah. much and. Uh, it's just inexcusable to to finish it. The thought right there that we sold Christian Ramirez, who wasn't doing too well for us, but I think he's a quality striker, and we all know that. Of course. And not even not even to sign a USL backup striker, not not even to b- bring back like uh, you know Michael Salazar, who was at RGV before. Anybody, a warm body to go up top. That's not Ariel Lasseter, for the love of God. Yeah, I I, I think that's another good point. Is that when you look across the league at the teams at the top, and we talked a little bit about signings and like big name signings. Uh, I think it's really important to realize that while um, we don't necessarily need a big name, we need a star player. Every team, every successful team needs a star player, in my opinion. I mean, yes, you need your, your role players are super important too. The guys off the bench um, and the guys that aren't flashy and then doing dirty work in the back. But you need a star player. And when I look at this team, we've been devoid of a star player since Elise and Manotas left, right? And I haven't there. You need someone that the other defense is like, oh crap! I've got to I've got to play against this guy, and I think that's where I hope that you know Ted Segal can say come in and 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 bring someone like that because our answer to that in in previous years has been this season really just we're not going to have a star player. I mean maybe Tim Parker, which I I don't know it's, that's not going to cut it as much as uh, as much as I like Tim Parker, and then or or you know in previous it's been signing guys who are kind of like not really star players. They're guys that could be star players. Bahamich is maybe one. Or Tomas Martinez, right? These are guys that could have been star uh, players. Don't bring, but they're, don't they're bring that name up. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't say that man's name in this in this podcast yeah. ever again. <laughs> it's just been it's been very um sad to see our organization cheap out. Um where I think if we would have had one or two really quality players that you know you can are, are consistent players like remember remember we had rico clark and he could and he was you knew you were going to get from him right you just knew what you were going to get every single game and yeah he, he got off, old off the bench yeah but man what a what a guy you know he's going to put in the effort 
And I don't see that when I cut. Maybe maybe Vera is the only one that I, I look across the field and he looks like he cares every single game. 100%. Matias Vera is the, the motor of this team. 100%. Uh, definitely yeah. one of the most underrated players in MLS. And uh, we'd, be fool, we'd be fools to get rid of him because that, that is somebody that needs to be with this team throughout any transition that we make. That's what I was going to bring up next. Like, I don't know what you guys think, but the players, in my opinion, that we need to build around for next season. I think uh, you keep, obviously, Hadebe and Parker. Uh, and you can't get rid of everybody at once. It's too no, hard to, to do that with the contracts. Not. But we build around Hadebe, Parker, Coco, Matias, and, and Tyler Pasher. If you can stay healthy, I think those yeah. are your pillars of this team, which is not a bad spine. Yeah. And everybody else, in my opinion, um, is replaceable yeah. or, or has to fight for for the respect they want on, on this squad. Yeah, and you forgot our star player, Darwin Seren. Uh, I was the guy that, that deserves to start every single game. I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. Bro, you're, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna piss off you're gonna piss off some wind here, man. He's El Salvador through and through. Yeah. Oh yeah, like he's been like obviously he's been not, not you know his best form yet, but obviously like I I really appreciate how he played, especially last year. But but yeah. Um, it's been like I, I still don't I still don't get it though. Why is playing? Why is he playing right now? I even seen a Salvadorian fans so like there's a, there's a quite a, a contingent of them that does not want Darwin to run on the national team starting. But obviously that's not going to change because for all the bad performances he puts in, there's like you know every every two and five he's he's like good or amazing, and then you're like what where, where did this come from? Um, but yeah. Not can to, I, can I mention you know, one? we're, we're good. Yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say one more thing about just kind of players in general. Um, when I look at like the four, three, three pressing system, uh, a team that kind of like comes to my mind is Chelsea, obviously totally different scales. But when I see the, the thing that I see is the problem here with tab system is we talked about chance creation, right? We don't have that creative player. It doesn't have to be a number 10 necessarily, just a creative player to, um, get those chances to the you know sometimes isolated striker or false nine or winger that's playing striker or whoever we have up there right um what do you guys think what do you guys think the solution is there like is is it a number is it an out and out number 10 is it is it um just a creative you know winger is it it how do you guys see us create because we talked about the spine of the team right and out of the spine of those team the team I, I mean maybe uh coco you could say is is somewhat of a chance creator but I don't even think he's an out and out ten um, of, of no, sorts. No way. No way. In my in my opinion. So like, where do you, where do you guys see that that creative spark coming from? Because obviously, I think Darwin Quintero has other ideas after this season. Uh, I think um, I think Tab has to put away, uh, put aside his his system preferences and and sign a number ten for this club next year. Obviously, maybe somebody that has a little bit more defensive capabilities than Darwin Quintero. If you're really so strung up on that, but. Um, you know, Coco, Matias, Vera, uh, you know, probably bring back Derek Jones for another season. All these guys are um, are definitely fine to play behind, and but are not your chance creators, and we've seen that this season, you know, trying to play Joe Corona at the 10 every single freaking game. Yeah, the other, the other thing that's so frustrating to me personally is that, uh, like, our wingers, other than maybe Pasher, um, are very, are not chance creators at all. Um, like... One-dimensional. Yeah, very one-dimensional. I mean, when... In, and actually historically undimensional. I mean, if you look at Fafa Pico, and I love the guy, he works like an, uh, he's a madman, he's a, he's a bulldog, but 
he's he's not he's literally one of the worst chance creators he has very little in product and if when you're signing him with the idea of starting him the entire season which was obviously the case right then what's the like what are you you're that is a uh, an error from the you know from whoever signs him whether it was you know tab's idea or matt jordan's idea the the, the chance creation has to come from somewhere and we have a bunch of one-dimensional players that just need to go, in my opinion, and need to be replaced with people who, who are more balanced, more balanced, and can do more for the team. Um, uh, do you guys have that same feeling? Well, Robert, I kind of want to know: is, is this the end of Memo on the Dynamo? That's a great question. Like, like, I think you know, yeah. on the homegrown mm. deal, I think this is the last year. I can't imagine just from a P that's a PR nightmare if he leaves, but, uh, I, I, and I think also he, he has, uh, he has quality. I mean, he's shown he's had quality and in little spurts, his consistency has always been his issue. Um, uh, I think for the right money, of course he, he's got to stay. Um, and, I, and he's had a, you know, he's had a tough run, but he also, you know, he, when he plays well, he is, I think ideally on a, on a real competitor, you know, MLS competitive team, like a, a Seattle or, you know what I mean? I think he's a bench player. Um, and I think that deep inside, we don't want him to be a bench player just because, you know, he's the the homegrown and whatever. But I, I think that's where his role would be if we really were being ambitious. Um, do you guys think that or is that is that a little too harsh? I mean, the guy's, the guy's in the worst form of his life, though, to be fair. So um, I'm not going to judge him for his whole career based on this season. Sure. But it, it, it was so much pressure going on. Uh, Tab at the beginning of the season saying Memo Memo is a national team caliber player. Uh, you know yeah. he's got to be the face of this club. He starts the first three games off on fire and and absolutely fizzles out. So I feel for the guy, and I think he's most of our probably favorite player at this club. Uh, I would love to have him on the podcast one day if it was possible, just to just to hear how he's feeling this season. But I think Memo has has a huge chance to leave, like Wilson said, because. Um, of his contract, but I think he's probably really valued within this oh, league for being a domestic player. Oh yeah, um, what he's done, and he—I'm pretty sure he's severely underpaid with the Dynamo. If somebody's seen those contracts, I don't know. Everyone is severely making... underpaid at the Dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> he's only—he's only—he's only making like 200k. Shocking, man. yeah. Uh, I think I think Memo's at 300. Oh really? No, it's not too bad, not too bad. But I think he can probably definitely get a, a better deal somewhere else in the league. Yeah, and like and like Robert said, maybe he's a bench player somewhere else, but. I think Memo can 100% uh, be a starter in this league, and on a team like Seattle, obviously, oh. the best team in the in the league. I can't imagine, you imagine see Seattle puts a bid in for Memo and puts him on the bench. Oh, that would I be, mean that would be disgusting. That would be so good. You see, you <laughs> see a guy like Kellen Kellen Rowe at Seattle, yeah, for example, who who's not a bad player by any means, yeah, but the amount of minutes he's getting on that team, even though he's on the bench, he's rotating in so much spot starting. I think Memo Memo is a level above that, so. Uh, uh, there's definitely a huge chance we lose him this offseason, but in my opinion, uh, you you keep him around for the for not just for the culture, but what he brings uh, quality wise, and I think uh, you trust him to rebound in a different system. But if Tab stays, I think Memo's gone. Mm, that's a good point. I like that. Memo, so Memo's actually, I was just looking at our like contracted amounts. So the midfield is easily the lowest paid position on our team, which I mean, surprise, pretty surprise. Awesome. yeah, if you watch the game, so the only, the only midfielder now with Coco, we don't know. I don't think we know exactly how much she's paying. It's going to be different with him, but um, the only midfielder making more money, the memo is Vera and he's on three fifty. <laughs> that is a crime. 
man. That is a crime. Three fifty. He should be making so much more than that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So that's, that, that's that's pretty rough. Um, I also just have. I've got to jump off here in a minute. But the other thing I wanted to to mention the definitely the big circle. I think on the calendar for tab would be the Dallas game coming up on the 18th. So two Saturdays from now. So we still have a chance to, to win El Capitan this season. We tied Dallas the other two games. So if we get a home was, win, uh, yeah. we can Small win the victories. cannon. Hey, but, but also if we go three winless over the next three, then that's going to be the game that we would tie the MLS record for the winless streak. Yeah, and I think. Oh gosh, shut up, shut up, please. I, I please, think if he loses against up. against Austin, I think that at home, that's at home, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, I think no. that, that'll be the end of tab if he loses that. Well, wow, that's um, good. I remember I, I was listening to I don't know if you guys listened to Orange Slices uh, podcast with like Heath Peterson, Mark McKenzie. I remember Heath was saying when he used to play in Germany, he was on like one of the worst teams in the Bundesliga, but none of that mattered when if you beat your derby rivals that season. And I think that it, it not that nothing matters this season, but if Tab manages to beat Austin and Dallas in these next couple of weeks, I think that puts a whole like new spin on the end of the season. Yeah, I think and they could really rally. save his job. I think they could rally on that. You know what I mean? There's there's a little bit of a buzz. Whereas, I mean, what else do we have to play for this season? Well, I mean, honestly, oh. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, if, if you pull out a couple wins here, I mean, we're eight points out of the playoffs right now. And no, don't don't even start. Don't yeah, start. I know. I, I know. Playoffs. Sorry. We're talking about playoffs. <laughs> but um, you know, and our, our schedule is not exactly soft the rest of the way. But um, you know, Portland has not played well. We're we're actually pretty pretty significant favorites for the home game versus Portland. Austin, of course, like who knows? They're they're all over the place. You know, as unlucky as we've been in these fifteen. You know, it would. I could certainly. You know, it's it's not that wild to think that we you may get a couple of results here. You know, I think we've been unlucky. You know, I definitely. I don't. I don't think we've deserved fifteen games without a win. You know, MLS is MLS. Uh, is what it comes uh, yeah. Oh, don't give me any hope, please. <laughs> Stop Let, it. Let's start. Let's start wrapping it. Uh, wrapping it up there with the hope that Wilson gives us. Uh, Andres, yeah. just for po- just for podcast sakes, I don't know if you. We want to start giving some closing remarks, and I don't know if you want to end the podcast. And then, if, for those of you guys that want to stick around and talk national team, just uh, like off of the podcast recording, we can we can do that and just uh, talk a little bit about the U.S. national team and, and the and the Ocho qualifying. Yeah, I was kind of expecting uh, this to go for a while, but like it's been almost like fifty minutes talking about Magic and Dynamo, so it was pretty fun. But yeah, we still have to talk about Abby uh, Camper and obviously just Miss National Team. Um, with the World Cup so, qualifying yeah. coming up. Why don't we just uh, finish up with the Dynamo Dash news and um, we'll end the podcast there and we can just talk national team off the podcast. Yeah, yeah, stick can, around. yeah, we can do that for sure. Um, and yeah, like I would say with all, all these um, in mind, like this is pretty much what's has been like going on with the Dynamo, obviously. And like everyone has brought, brought like so many good points. Um Especially with my Jordan gone and what's going to happen next, and and yeah, um, that's been pretty pretty much part of the journey. So and yeah, and obviously with that other way, um, like an interesting thing with the dash going on, especially with uh, by bringing Abby the dog camper, have been like a pretty uh, big addition for the dash defensively. Um, um, it's been pretty weird, like because it's um so apparently like um, initially from the um, 
from the press release, uh, like it was apparently, it sounded like a trade and it reads like a trade because like from the press release, it's uh, pretty much saying that the Dash acquired uh, Abby Dahlkamper through a trade with uh, the Courage. And essentially Dash like sent $25,000 in allocation money uh, with incentives and they literally said it was a trade, but um, then like Corey, uh, I was here, or Corey Robkin, um, the GOAT forever, um, he asks um, James Clarkson about it and James said like it was a, a loan and and that's where like things get confusing because like they like James Clarkson says alone and then Paul Riley says uh, which is the head coach of, of North Carolina Courage also says that it's alone but NWSL says that it's a trade and, <laughs> and uh, everyone's like what is going on and and obviously like people like Meg Lindenhan that she She's been covering NWSL for years now, and with a the striker now. Recent, most recently, she essentially says that it's part of a a bigger move, like to, towards the end of the season. So obviously that makes way more sense. But uh, it's it's kind of weird, uh, because like it reminds me of like when the Dash tried to bring in Kristen Press, and uh, obviously they're not similar, uh, but it's more more like um, in the sense that pretty much how how you. How people like try to understand NWSL rules and regulation, you know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> like nobody knows. <laughs> no, nah, man, it's worse than MLS, honestly, and especially with all the uh, like terrible allegations and firings that have been going on with NWSL coaches this week. Have you guys been keeping up with any about that? Uh, just a lot of things starting to come out through the cracks from players finally starting to speak up about harassment, and uh, you know, it's terrible to hear. But hopefully, it's a big change in NWSL. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of the rules, you know, hopefully, as MLS did throughout the early years, there was really weird rules and obviously the weird penalty kick run-ups and all that. But I think things will slowly go changing and changing as uh, obviously more sponsors jump on, more more eyeballs start watching. But, I mean, if even even if the Dash have Dull Kemper for half a season, I think that could be a huge boost towards uh, the playoff run that, that they're trying to make. And obviously, with the there only being, what, 10, 10 teams total in the table, uh, Obviously, like we said in the past episode, it's not hard to go on a little two, three game winning streak, and you're looking at being in second or third place already. So, um, super, super great to have her on board. And obviously, the dash playing right now, not the greatest look that we're hosting a, a tears faces during that. Yeah. Uh, currently yeah, down one nil, but that's the only team, the only time we could get together today. So, we'll have to cover more of the dash next episode. For sure. Yeah. The, the scheduling gods, you know, but yeah. Um, we're definitely gonna keep going with um uh, with the uh, Twitter Spaces uh, with the US Men's National Team um, talk. And before we do that, um, we we have to close out with uh, Dynamo Alone Army, obviously. Um, how else? <laughs> because Palomino getting all the minutes in the world with um, Child Independence. Uh, he played his nineteenth uh, game last week um, in the. Um, uh, I believe it was his. Um, uh, they lost to temporary rowdies. Oh yeah, they did lost. They did lose to the temporary rowdies uh, to do nothing uh, on the road. And he did play. He started that game and played for six six minutes. Um, no goals, unfortunately. Uh, he still has his five um, still for the season. And Eric McHugh, he didn't play. He was on the bench uh, for Charleston Battery and their uh, no no tie to Orange County. So yeah. Uh, 
Then I'm on an army. <laughs> it, it's girl, baby. We got Bazama out there who's on loan technically to Charlotte, but nobody knows what the hell's wrong with that guy. So. He's in the, he's in the shower <laughs> room, so we don't know what's he, gonna happen. So <laughs> Matt, Jor- Matt Jordan took him along in his in his bag, but <laughs> no, I mean, so we're just gonna end the podcast here uh, for those people listening on the recording in the future. Uh, so thank you guys for listening uh, to Noodle Time today on Twitter Spaces, second edition, awesome to hear all y'all's opinions. 